What's up, bro? Welcome to a new episode of the Brand New Show. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> welcome to a new episode of the Brand New Show. As you know, I am Brand New, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I'm coming like super late. I'm doing recording this super late. It's like eleven o'clock here in Houston. Um, but uh, I'm recording this episode because I don't think I'm gonna have a chance to record it tomorrow. Football is on. I'm gonna have a lot of people over here, stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know if we're gonna be able to record it tomorrow. So I've decided to record it right here, right now, and get it over and done with, because this is wrestling life. And of course, like always, when a big, huge pay per view for WWE happens, I review it, I talk about it, and then I rate it. And I've already rated it. I rated it. I actually wrote it down, which is rare. I'm becoming a podcast. So holy shit. Um, but um, <laughs> I rated this. And uh, I watched every I watched Extreme Rules just a moment ago, the entire pay per view from the beginning to the end. And uh, so before I get into this, and if you know anything about this uh, rating that I do every pay per view I do, I go from least to greatest uh, wrestling matches on the card. So um, sometimes it's not a bad match; it's just the ending was too bad. The ending was bad. Uh, uh, they lost me somewhere in the middle, or the beginning just started too slowly, so they had to speed it up. And sorry about the noise too, by the way. But um, uh, but yeah, so you know, so it's not a bad match. It just you know, it just wasn't one of my favorite matches. And I'm gonna be honest, this card really didn't have any that didn't really have a lot of bad matches. I mean, a lot of people could say maybe the endings were a little bit too, you know, mm, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the endings would could have been a little bit, a little bit, uh, better. And I'm starting to realize that in this new era of Triple H is the endings could be a little bit better in some of these matches to tie the stories together really well. Um, but anyway, but before I get into the rating, the least the greatest, of course, I got to talk about the true ending of the Extreme Rules. And that is the theme that is the Eater of Worlds. That is the leader of the Wyatt family. That is. The White Rabbit, I'm assuming he's calling himself now. I don't freaking know. Bray Wyatt. <laughs> Bray Wyatt is officially back in WWE. It is crazy for Bray Wyatt. It's crazy, man. I remember when the news hit that he had got released. And every single person, including me, was like, what the fuck? It was that simple. It was just like, what the fuck? You, you release Bray Wyatt? Of all people, you're releasing Bray Wyatt. You're going to let this man just walk the fuck out your company. And listen, I, I've done this numerous times on shows. I've said it numerous times. This is a way different WWE now. Vince McMahon wanted it to be his way. And and, and I think when Bray created the Fiend character and he, he just had so much control over the Fiend character, Vince wanted in. And I think that's fucked up the Fiend. Vince should never employ himself into certain things. Like, when he created The Undertaker back in the day, and he was such a you know impulse with The Undertaker, it's because you created that character. You knew what that character needed. Bray created The Fiend by himself, and he didn't need your help. And, and when he did, and then when WWE started saying that he was making money, and he was pushing himself without their so-called booking and their so-called, um, you know, bottom lines in a glass ceiling 
he was breaking the glass ceiling without even trying. And I think that once Vince saw that and saw that he was making more money with without him technically, even though he's in a company, he's making money off him no matter what. But he was becoming a success without the backing really of WWE. He was pushing himself to the forefront. And to see how the fiend became that damn over without really even trying to be that like Bray made the fiend such an over uh, over thing overnight like over fucking night he made the fiend a superstar and WWE events at that time was just he, he was terrible at booking he's even terrible at giving people the right characters and the right structure to push themselves and so you getting rid of the fiend Bray Wyatt it was just stupid the way you kind of kept using him was very dumb. You made him win it. You made him win a Universal Championship. He wins the Universal Championship. Goes to SmackDown, and then you the the first time you give him like a, a major push with the title as the Fiend. You make him drop the title a couple weeks before WrestleMania to Goldberg. Are you fucking kidding me? It it didn't make any sense. And I think he knew if he would have put the Fiend against Roman Reigns at at WrestleMania. Roman would have never gotten over it. And I think that that's why he made him drop the title, which makes sense. But Roman didn't even compete at that WrestleMania because of COVID. So it was kind of like you could have easily just kept the title on the Fiend, made him fight Braun Strowman. We could have got that rivalry out of out of the way. It would have made more sense. Um, But, yeah, that, that rivalry was, yeah, I don't know. And then he wins the title again, but then Roman comes back and beats him. And then he kind of leaves, and then he goes to Raw, and he goes one-on-one with Randy Orton, which was a really in, in, intriguing rivalry. It just – somewhere they fucked up that rivalry. I have no idea. I mean, of course I do. When, when you pretty much gave Randy Orton a win at WrestleMania, and you're just like, why the fuck would you do that? That was kind of stupid. But, yeah, stupid booking. I mean, the Seth – do I have these even explain the Hell in a Cell match with him and Seth Rollins? For the, for the Universal Championship. Okay, cool. I don't I don't have to divulge into that, that bullshit-ass match. Um, and Rylands and, and Bray and Wild and Set are two of the most incredible freaking superstars. Two of the most incredible wrestlers in the damn company. And they couldn't even figure that shit out. When you hear Set talk about that match now, it's like, dude, I couldn't even figure that. Like, we, we were just giving shit and had to figure it out. Like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. But Bray is back now, man. And people forget that Bray Wyatt, when he became Bray Wyatt and he brought in the Wyatt family, people forget who he was under in NXT. He was in the Triple H. Triple H knows how to really utilize who this man is. And I think that now that he's back, and, you know, I'll divulge more into that later on this week um, when I do my review of Raw and SmackDown. But... Now that Bray is back, and we don't know really what he's going to do, I think it was beautiful. I'm so happy Triple H didn't put him in a match, but he didn't make him a part of somebody else's story. He gave him his own signature moment that you're back, and it's your world. Whatever you want to do, do it. And I love the fact that Hottie did it. Hottie ended the show. It was beautiful. It was, it was, everybody knew he was coming. You just didn't know when. And I think it also, and that kind of fucked up the end of the of the night, the main event of Extreme Rules, which is what I'm going to get into and how I feel that way. Um, but I think I'm happy that he didn't put 
Bray in a match again. Uh, he didn't he didn't make Bray pop up in the match in the Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins match. Or he didn't make him pop up at the I Quit match. I think give Bray his moment, and I think that was the thing. He gave Bray his moment. Um, I've been posting it since since Extreme Rules went off. It's like thirty minutes ago, but. It's like literally just that moment into itself. It's like, wow. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, I'm going to divulge more into it after I watch Raw and SmackDown, see where Bray is going to land particularly. It will be really dope if he lands on Raw the night of uh, the season premiere of Raw when the bloodline is out there. <laughs> like, it would be super dope. I'll be honest with you. Because I'm not saying he's going to beat Roman, but he should beat Roman. Like, I get that WWE wants to continue to force Roman as an undefeated champion, but you do need to get one of those belts off Roman Reigns. There's nobody else you can put that title on that would even make complete sense now without even, like, Seth, Drew, and I don't even think Drew should, should be the number one contender anymore because I knew Drew was going to lose tonight. It's just how he lost, and that's what I'm going to also divulge into. Um, but, yeah, I think – you know, Seth, but Seth just lost, but I still would give Seth a push over over a lot of people because Seth can elevate that title way more than any other person can. And Bray, but Bray is a real threat to Roman. Like, and I don't mean like in the senses of that, but I, like I said, I divulge more into that. I, I watch Raw and SmackDown, uh, that review show. Uh, I'll be back soon with that. Um, But yeah, so... But let's get into it. Extreme Rules has just concluded. Um, and like I said earlier, I am about to give you guys my least favorite to my best, my favorite match. My least favorite to my most favorite match of the uh, show. And uh, so kicking it off, the least favorite match I had, like I said, it wasn't even a bad pay-per-view. It had some really good fucking matches. I mean, the crowd sometimes wasn't in it. And I think they kind of fucked up the pay-per-view a little bit. But... For the most part, it was a really good pay-per-view. So, um, my least favorite match, though, was... And I actually wrote the matches down, like I said. And I even rated them already. So, all I got to do is just look it down. Um, I'm going to say the strap match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. This is why one of the reasons why I just said I wouldn't even give Drew that opportunity to go up against Roman again. Because I've already seen it enough to know that this is not going to end well for Drew. So... Yeah, I mean, look, I, like I said, I knew Karrion Cross was going to win this match. It's not that surprising that Karrion Cross was going to win this match um, because you have been building him up. And, and like I said, he's a Triple H guy. He's a Triple H guy. He's the guy that, that, that Triple H pretty much put right in the spotlight at NXT when he got signed to NXT. He's been the guy. So I think for – and this was literally, I think, his second match in WWE since being back. He beat Drew Gulak, and that was about it. I don't even seen Karrion Cross have a match since then, and that was a week be the week of Clash at the Castle. So it's like you waited a month to get this man another match, and his second match in WWE since being back was against Drew McIntyre in a strap match, and he won. The thing about this is the buildup is great about this. It was a good. It was. It was like. It was like two bohemians fighting. It was like two monsters cladding eventually. And like I said, eventually Karen was just going to win because you're kind of trying to build him. You got to build him. And I don't think Drew really – I think Drew will take the, take the loss in this situation because at the end of the day, he's always going to be in a title picture. I don't know if Karen crosses. And I think that um, 
And that's the thing about this. You want to build more number one contenders for Roman Reigns as long as he's got the title. Uh, whenever he drops the titles, you got to have a number one contender, uh, worthy number one contenders that has a few wins like this one under their belt. When it comes to this match, like I said, the beginning of it was actually really fucking good. It didn't even start. Uh, the match didn't really start until maybe, what, five, ten minutes into the fucking thing? It was like, it was like they started fighting outside, which was be- another thing about Israel Rules. They used the element of the crowd, the fans. They used that shit. Usually a lot of WWE matches are just in a ring and outside the area. Maybe the announce table gets involved. That's about it. But the fact that they had a lot of these matches spell out into the arena is beautiful. And that's a great storytelling. That's how you watch. Because you you need another element to this to 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 the story, and I think a lot of these matches was very incredibly told. It just sometimes they fell a little flat, like I said, because of the fans. The beginning of this match was incredible. I mean, the match really didn't start until like I said, like five ten minutes into it. But didn't mean them dudes wasn't fighting. They were fighting up and down the the arena. It was a beautiful way they started this match. Now. When it finally did start, it kind of lost its luster a little bit. Karrion Cross kind of dominated Drew for most of the match. He beat the hell out of this man. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of it. You need Karrion Cross to kind of look like this top badass heel. He's that guy right now. You need to push him as that. And I think that that was the thing. Now, fans are going to not like it because they kind of somehow, some way, still. Is, it seems like the fans don't really know Karrion Cross yet. And they're still trying to push him as that. I think if Triple H was to bring back the NXT level of what he was and bring a package of what Karrion Cross really was, maybe people will stop thinking like, oh, this kid, this dude is just, he's kind of giving this. He's not really, really worked for this shit. He was a monster at NXT. Take it from me. And yeah, I mean, but this match was okay. Like I said, the the beginning was great. And then it kind of like, the crowd kind of fucked it up a little bit for me. But as as an all in all, man, I think the ending also. The ending was very fucked up. Now, a lot of people, if you know that this was supposed to be, I guess this was supposed to be like the the the, the uh, Pepper Spurs was supposed to be a fireball. But the fireball last time they did it on SmackDown didn't really fucking work. So the fact that they had to go to Plan B, which was the Pepper Spray, which was good, it was cool, but. I think that at the end of the day, like I said, this match was, it was what I expected. I expected Karrion Cross to win. I expected it to be very physical. Very, it's a scrap match, so of course it's gonna be very physical. But I think it was, it was, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't something that you that you're gonna sit here and say was the best match of the show. It was a really good match. It was cool. It was a nice way to kind of get your fans kind of more intrigued to the extreme rules of it. Um, it was it was it was physical as shit. It was brutal. It was it was supposed to be. It's a strap match, but for my money, it was okay. It was decent. I think they're gonna fight again. Uh, I don't think they're gonna fight on Friday. Night. I, well, you never know. Friday night SmackDown, but I can see them fighting that Survivor Series. I guess I could definitely see them. Uh, oh shit, I can't even see it. Well, I don't know really what Survivor Series is gonna be, but I can see them fighting at Crown Jewel. A Crown Jewel would be an easy target match because it would be so easier. It would be easier to sell it because now it's like Karen got one on Drew. Drew's got to get his get back. So it would be the easy, easiest one. So, um, yeah, I, 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 we're going to see Friday. I think by uh, by Crown Jewel, November 5th, we're going to know that these two men are fighting again at Crown Jewel. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, so, yeah, but that is my least favorite match of this pay-per-view. It was okay. It was decent. But it wasn't 
it was what I expected. It wasn't like I was really going to be expecting anything crazy between these two because there's only so much these two men could really physically do with each other. So, yeah, it was it was a decent. It was a decent match. And I think if, if it wasn't a strap match, I think it probably would be better because it was like, yeah, it was physical. It was, it was that, but you didn't really get a chance to really see what they could really do in other elements but without something literally bonding, binding them to each other. So, yeah, it was it was a decent. It's my least favorite match of the night. It was okay, and I already knew the outcome was. Um, going to my second least favorite match on the court. Um, I gave this like a four. A four. Uh, it's like a four to me. Um, four point two five, but I, it's really a four. Um, the Extreme Rules match. Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan. The reason why this is at four, it was actually a really good fucking match. A lot of people could hate it and say, well, they couldn't really do a lot with this because it's Ronda Rousey. Like, how much more can you really push her to be? You really don't think anybody could really whoop her ass, and that's kind of the problem with this. But Liv held her own. I think Liv held her fucking own. The problem with this and why is that it's my second least favorite match on the card is the fucking ended. I thought the ending was so fucking stupid. I'm 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 tired of them trying to push Ronda Rousey as like the female Brock Lesnar, where she only loses to people that you that you can only beat her with. Like 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 she loses to Charlotte, and you're like that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Like it's like I would actually give her the wins over Charlotte than Charlotte beating her, because if you let Charlotte beat her, it's like okay, Charlotte's actually supposed to win those matches. But if she beats Ronda, if Ronda beats Charlotte, it's like she beat Charlotte. Like, holy shit. Because Charlotte's actually more accomplished of the two. And it's like, she's been in wrestling. She knows how to do this shit. And if Ronda beats her, it's more of a it was a more of a not on a notch on her belt than it is on Charlotte's. But Liv beating Ronda would have continued to push Liv into another stratosphere. And I'm gonna be honest, when she first came out, Ronda was the crowd favorite when they, the interest started. But Liv came out, they were kind of booing Liv at the beginning. And then midway through the match, you started to hear the crowd kind of cheerful. I mean, even before, well, actually before the match. Once she got in the ring, they kind of flipped. It was like an interesting thing. It was like they flipped on her, flipped and was like cheering for her and then booing Ronda. It was like the most weirdest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. But Ronda wins this match. And I, that's kind of the reason why I don't like this match. It's kind of like, why would you give Ronda... Like I said, I'm tired of y'all trying to build her like the female Brock Lesnar. I feel like if y'all feel like it's getting to the point where WWE feels like if we got Ronda Rousey in a match, it's got to be for a title. If if it's not for a title, then it doesn't make any sense to have her on the pay-per-views. And let's be real, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I, I, I've, I'm starting to feel like Ronda should just do like how Logan Paul is doing and all these people you're paying. Like, just show up at the big events. We don't need you to do every fucking event. Just show up at the big events, man. I get it. You probably think you have no star power on these pay-per-views, so you got to give somebody, like a Ronda Rousey, the star power. But it's like, she winning, her winning this match didn't, wouldn't have made or break her. Like, if she lost, it would have been like, okay, Ronda Rousey lost to Liv Margaret. This pushes more towards Liv. And you could tell by the way the crowd reacted at the end of this match. It's kind of why I put this at number two of my least favorite matches is because the way the crowd reacted, it's a four to me because of the way the crowd reacted after she won. It was a split fucking crowd. Like, nobody wanted her. You had some people cheering because it's Ronda Rousey winning the title. It's like, okay, that's kind of rounded. But you can't really book Ronda Rousey with a title right now because who the fuck is going to fight her? Liv again? Shanna Baszler? Like, 
it's like Charlotte. We don't know when Charlotte's coming back. We don't know when Becky's coming back. Becky could be coming back, but then she because, but you're not having a draft until the end of April, until WrestleMania. So when are you gonna usually give you? This is why I think it was a stupid ass thought process because it's like you give Ronda the belt, but who the fuck is gonna fight Ronda? Because you just let Liv beat it, lose her, and technically she didn't really. I mean, yeah, she lost, but she didn't tap out, which. Again, I think was them trying to have like a uh, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. Um, and you probably don't know what I mean, or you probably do know what I mean. Where Stone Cold didn't tap out to Bret Hart, he just passed out, and it's kind of what Liv did. She didn't tap out; she passed out, and it wasn't like she gave up. She just passed the fuck out in a submission, and the ref was just like, "Okay, it's over." And I think that that's the thing. The difference is Bret Hart and Stone Cold was fighting for a fucking title. <laughs> like, they wouldn't fight over a title. And I think that was what they were trying to make live, like, make live into, like, this now, like, and I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know if they're going to make her into, like, a, a heel turn or whatever the fuck they're doing because she's smiling. Before she passes out, that she wakes up and she's still smiling. And it's like, which would be interesting because we always, which I was like, what if Liv joins Bray Wyatt this time and not Alexa Bliss? What if Liv joins Bray Wyatt? And I'm like, that would be dope. I think it would be super fucking dope to see Liv and Bray Wyatt together because same thing with Alexa Bliss. It, it, well, Alexa Bliss is already made, but it kind of reboosted, re, re-energized her career a little bit when she got with Bray. But if Liv gets with Bray, that's a little different. That's a Because that, that really is like the Joker and 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 and, and uh, Holly Queen. Like, it's, 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 it's like, whoa, this shit is interesting harley queen like that'd be an interesting thing and yeah but i did not think ronda needed this match i do not think that i don't know why they continue to give this woman this fucking title because she doesn't know what she is she doesn't know if she's a fucking face she don't know if she's a hill she's not she's not built up enough equity to be like in the middle where she could be a face or a hill it just depends on the day she doesn't she hasn't built up that much equity in the fans eyes to be that, like I've said numerous times, she can just be Ronda Rousey, but we don't have that like ability as a fan to really give her that because at the end of the day, we don't even know what the fuck she still is. She's just Ronda Rousey. Like she comes in and supposed to kick everybody's ass, but she's not Brock Lesnar. That's the thing. Like Brock, Brock has matches where he just squashes motherfuckers. Ronda Rousey does not have those, and that's the difference. But yeah, it's a four. I give it a four. It's a four. It's 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 okay. It's this it was okay. It was decent, but it's a fucking four. Now, this is a high four and a half for me. This next match, close to five. I, I couldn't have four or fives. So like it's just ridiculous. I, I but it's a high ass. Woo boy. Uh, four and a half. Uh, the brawling brutes in Imperium. The the good old fashioned uh uh Donnie Brook brawl. Uh, good old fashioned Donnie Brook brawl match um yeah anytime these six men get together i'm starting to realize just go ahead and 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 you know get the ice baths ready <laughs> like like get to get to get to, have some medical staff on on call because these dudes are gonna beat the living shit out of each other and as a fan i'm all for it now this match would have been way more interesting if Sheamus was the champion, that dude tapped out. I'm sorry, Gunter. I love you, Walt, man. Walter, man, you're the beast. You're a beast, man. Walter, 
Love you, bro. But you tapped the fuck out. I don't know what the fuck that what that ref was talking about. She she was like, oh, he was just trying to get to the rope. No, that is a fucking tap. He twice. That's a tap. That's a, that's a tap. What the fuck you talking about? That's a tap. That's a fucking tap. He ain't trying to get to the ropes. If he was trying to get to the ropes, grab it, crawl, like do something. But that's a tap. <laughs> and Shamus is even like, yo, I heard this motherfucker tap. What are you doing? And it's like, I don't know what the fuck that was supposed to be, but it wasn't. Yeah, that was still. But I personally think that was more so to keep Shamus in an I in the IC title picture. Because you have nobody to really go up against go up against Gunter, to be honest. Like you don't have no you don't really have anybody to go up against Walter. You really don't. And Shamus is so over right now. You can't push anybody else to go up against Walter right now. You can't. I don't know where Shinsuke at. I don't know uh Ricochet is kinda like in and out of a few with the bloodline because happy Corbin is gone. So you really have nobody to really land on. And Sheamus and him clearly bring bring out the best in each other. They always have classics. So far, these two men have had two matches, one-on-ones, and was incredible fucking matches. And like I said, down that you have now uh, Pete Dunne, which is Butch, and Rich Holland. And then you have Imperium, who's such an incredible uh, faction into themselves. This can lead a very long, this could be a long-ass, drawn-out situation, especially if one of these teams can actually beat the Usos and take the titles from them. It, it can last a good bit. I think they can have a real big culmination match at WrestleMania, and that would be an interesting-ass match. Like, if, like say, Sheamus wins the, uh, you keep the title on Walter until WrestleMania. And like I said, Imperial must, uh, a Brawling Brutes beats you know, the Usos. What if that match at WrestleMania is a six-man tag team match for all of the titles, Intercontinental and tag team? Now you got, now you kill two birds with one stone. So it's just like, I think the same thing, man. I think this was an incredible matchup. I mean, they're, they're slamming into barricades in like 16 minutes, 16 minutes into the match. It's like, bro, these dudes were beating the shit out of each other. It's not just Walter and Sheamus. It's Everybody, they had the entire Philly uh, arena going crazy. And like I said, because I think also Sheamus is going to be still in the title picture, it made sense for the Brawling Bruce to finally beat Aperium because you need Sheamus, particularly Sheamus, to win that match, and he did. Bro kicked the shit out dude, won the match. And like I said, Crown Jewel, I can see Walter versus Sheamus in some structure with it. I, I, I've seen him in Steel Cage. I can never see him in a steel cage. Oh, hell in a cell. Like, I can see them in a hell in a cell. That'd be a perfect fucking match. A hell in a cell match with them two for the Intercontinental title? Fucking right. Make it happen. Fucking right. Make it happen. I would love to see that. But yeah, it got a four and a half for me. A high four and a half. Like close to five. Close to five. Like I said, I can't have four fives. Um, yeah, but they kind of gave the SmackDown show uh, events first. But okay. But yeah, the first three matches all SmackDown. Which is a beautiful thing because you got three great. Uh, I guess I was the least interested in Liv and Ronda, but that was the match that actually surprised my expectations. And the Drew and Karrion, it was like I expected it to be that, but it was just like, ah, eh, it's okay. It was, it was, it was decent. Um, which goes into my three fives, and it was all on Raw, my three five matches. And my first 
five is my least five. My least five. Um, it's my least five, but it's my least. It's a, it's a five, but it's 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 out of the two fives before it's it's decent. It was a, it was a, it was a very low five, but it's a five to me. Um, and that is the fight pit match, Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins. It's a five. We could debate it if you want to, but it's a five. Um, now, again. I wanted this to be the main event. It should have been the main event. It was the main event. What happened in this match, though, I think fucked it up, was, one, people was waiting for Bray Wyatt. They got him, but it was just at the end of the night. And, two, Daniel Cormier. I think Daniel Cormier kind of fucked up his match. I think Daniel, Daniel Cormier, Cormier fucked up this match. Um, I get it. You want to establish dominance as a referee. You're telling them not to hit you and shit like that. But it kind of like made it feel like, okay, you're, okay, dude, you're just a ref. Like, understand that shit. It wasn't like you're going to jump in and like beat one of these dudes up. You're a ref. Shit happens. Get over it. You're trying to establish dominance in this match. And it just didn't make any sense at the beginning. And like I said, the crowd was just out of this match, man. It's just, it just the crowd never was in it. Even when they got to the top of the pillar, it was the top, top of the cage. It just, they was never in this match. Um, even when, like, he, he kind of reversed, um, he kind of reversed, uh, what the fuck he did. He tried to go for stump, I think, and Matt popped up and did hit the RKO. The RKO is one of the biggest pops that you can get in nothing. The crowd barely fucking cheered. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I hit the RKO again on the top of the pillar, on the top of the cage, but it was just like, why the fuck y'all didn't cheer when the man hit it at the fucking ground? That didn't make any sense. And Seth also does the stump, and it took forever for Daniel Cormier to fucking count Matt Riddle. It's like, dude, just count this motherfucker. What are you doing? It, it felt like a lot of missteps in, in a match like that because it, as, as good as the fight pick could have been and what I thought it would be, it was decent. It's a five. Don't get it twisted. To me, it's a five, but it's – if. If I was to give the reason why I'm going with the the Seth Rollins and Riddle match as a five and not the Brawling Brutes and Imperium because both are high expectations for me, but there's way more shit you can do in a match with the Imperium and Brawling Brutes because it's six men and it's open to the field, whereas the fight pit it's kind of a contained situation. And it's only so much you can fucking do. There's no ropes, which is kind of, it's really dope. It's actually a dope concept, but it's just like, there's not so much you can do with that shit. And I thought Seth and him coming in was, I knew Matt was going to win, but it's, it's it's also like, damn, bro, like, there wasn't so much you can do. I really wish they would, somebody would have jumped off the, I mean, Matt did, but I think if they would have used that, the top of the, 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 um, the cage more, it probably would have been interesting. But um yeah, Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier kind of fucked this up. He really did. He fucked this matchup. I'm gonna be honest. He really fucked this matchup because it felt like he was he was he was trying too fucking hard, and I don't like that shit. Like let these dudes fight. Let these dudes beat the shit out of each other. And like I said, the crowd. By the time you got to the main event, the crowd was already already ready for Bray. They didn't give a fuck. And yeah, it just it just didn't look good. And I, I think that 
But as an all-in-all match, I think that Seth versus Matt Riddle was a really good match. It was a five to me. Uh, next on it is another five. Now, this is hard. This is a hard five. But I'm going to go with the reason why I'm going with the Raw Women's Championship ladder match at number five at, at this particular juncture as the second best match I saw all night. Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Why it's not the best match? One reason is because um, listen, I, I didn't know who was gonna win this match. I'm gonna be honest. Coming into it, it, it could have been Bailey. It probably should have been Bailey because of you know damage control is now running raw, and let's be real, Bianca had nobody to come out and support her. I mean, they were gone. I thought it'd be Sasha and Naomi, but nobody showed up again. I'm like, oh, okay, well, fuck it. Um, but this was all in all a really good fucking match. This is how you culminate a rivalry. See, this is how you start a this is how you give fans what you need. The Ronda and Liv match I felt like was just trying to like crown Ronda. It wasn't like you really believe Liv could beat her in WWE's eyes. Whereas Bianca and Bailey has been like an even matchup. We always knew those two were even even match, but this match was incredible. It's the first ever women's ladder match ever. A first ever women's ladders match, and it lived and it lived up to the first ever women's ladders match. And I think it's gonna be really hard for another women's ladders match to top it because it, it's gonna take a minute. It's gonna take a fucking minute. Um, but Bianca and, and, and Bailey, man, they went out there and gave it to gave gave it all, man. And every and and I'm gonna be honest, that was one of the matches that the crowd was. Definitely into it. Like, it, out the gate, they were already into this match. And it was a lot of great spots that they did in this match, man. It was a lot of great bumps they took um, when when Bianca's on the ladder and Bailey does the elbow <laughs> to her on the ladder and she's on the ladder and she elbows her and, and Bailey bounces off the ladder, but Bianca's like, ah, shit. Like, it's just like an incredible match. And yes, Damage Control comes out and tries to help Bailey, but they kind of get fucked up for it. So, and the way that Bianca early in the match was trying to just hurry up and get to, to the title, hurry up and get to the title because she knew, I'm, I've never been in a match like this. I've never been in a ladder match. I've never done this before. And I know watching ladder matches, I got to hurry up and get to this fucking title because I don't know what the fuck could happen. And it was beautiful. It, was, it played off of everything. It played off of an incredible, every, it, it played off of a lot of things. Um, I think Bailey. Um, being a veteran, used everything she could do uh, to win this match. It was an incredible uh, effort by her. But, again, maybe I don't think it's time yet for Bianca to drop the title, especially not to Bailey. It's, it's just not time yet. Um, now, Crown Jewel might be a perfect opportunity because now you've ran, I think, a little bit of the Bianca course, but, um, it would start to kind of feel like that. And if she's going to make another title run or something of that sort, you might want to give her a new storyline because if she just goes into WrestleMania as a champion, you're just going to be expecting her to drop it eventually. So I think if you're going to push her and whatever you're going to do with her at WrestleMania, you got to start thinking about it right now. So if it's Bailey going to win the Raw, uh, win the women's title, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Bianca. Do you put her against Ronda? Because I think it's going to be Becky and Ronda, but, it, I wouldn't be pissed off if it was Beck, Bianca and, and Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think it'd be a dope-ass match. I think Bianca would actually make a very formidable foe 
for Ronda, and I don't think Ronda competed like talking about it. Um, but yeah, but all in all, man, this was a really good fucking match. It was really really good. Um, it's just not my it's not my 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 favorite, but it was it was it's a five. It's a damn sure five, man. It's a fucking five. Trust me when I say it. it's a fucking five. Um, and uh, yeah, and then last but not least, the best match I saw all night on Extreme Rules. Clearly, it was the I Quit match, Edge versus Finn Balor. Now, this match was a culmination, truly, of the Judgment Day versus Edge, um, something he created literally at the beginning of this year that lasted a really good bit, and Finn now being the head guy, the leader of that group, and this was such a fucking good match. Again, like I said earlier, with the the um, excuse me with the Drew McIntyre and the, the Karrion Cross match, they use the fans. They use every part of the arena to that advantage. And this match was beautiful. And I quit, I quit match is a hard-ass match to, one, get over, and two, um, push the limits up because it's, it's, it's because somebody's going to have to say, I quit. And it's never gonna, you're not going to beat your opponent to the point where they're going to quit. That's just not the way to, that this is, is presented most of the times. Because if you're fighting somebody, like, you got to beat the living shit out of this person. And even that might not be enough. And they did an exactly that replica. And I think that this match last, this was probably the longest match that I think they had on the fucking pay-per-view. Um, it might have been, like, 25, 30, 35 minutes. It's, I think it started at, like, 8-something and went to, like, 9.30 or some shit. Close to 9 nine something like out here um yeah it started like at nine something nine ten and then it lasted like 35 minutes and that's a beautiful thing uh like close to 35 minutes but it was a massive 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 storytelling here the old you know the man that created that that coat like uh figure and edge fighting the new leader who thinks that he's the new prince or the new king of that le- of that group and Finn Balor and they beat the shit out of each other and they went all around the arena like I said using every inch of the arena hell the fact that they were literally up at the top of the arena like in in the concession stands and shit almost close to the concession stands and fans are like getting stopped from like you can't walk right now because they're fighting right in front of you and you got people running just to take pictures and just to take videos of these two men beating the living shit out of each other. It was a beautiful fucking match, man. It was incredible storytelling, man. And then at the end to see how all of this was done to play out, uh, Rhea Ripley, you know, handcuffing, you know, edge to the ropes, and Judgment Day popping up, Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. And and them beating the living hell out of Edge to make him quit with candlesticks. It's still nothing. Rey Mysterio comes out. And Dominic Mysterio beats the living hell out of his father. And it just it's and that's setting up that that match eventually. And I think that um and then Brett Bet Phoenix coming out and and doing what she did to, to Rhea Ripley. And you know, and Edge then getting out of the handcuffs, spearing Damian Priest and and, and kicking De- Dominic Mysterio in the, in the nuts for what he did to him a month ago. So it's just like, it was like, holy shit. And then and then how the match ends is just Rhea Ripley pretty much <laughs> it's Beth Phoenix in the head with some brass knucks. 
And again, like I said, these men had beat the shit out of each other for a good 30 minutes. And nobody was going to say I quit until you put this man's wife into the situation, which brings up an interesting storyline. Like I said a long time ago, Edge was going to fight one of the Finn and Rhea versus Edge and Beth at Crown Jewel. I would sign me the fuck up for that match. I'm with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm with it. She's got enough time to recuperate from the concerto and the brass knucks. Um, and yeah, uh, but Edge says I quit, which is rare. It was just you just don't think will ever happen. But it's about the ending of this match, and I don't mean just him saying I quit. It's the fact that they kind of use a concerto on his wife, like right? Real Ripley used his own signature move, the move he created, onto his wife. The mother of his kids. And that is like, whoa. Now that's crossing a line. Now you didn't hit a line that you might not ever come back from. And 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 they ran like a son bitch. Oh, they ran. Um, but but it was just that, man. Every element of that. And here's the thing about that, like I said, Ray getting beat down by his son. Because since like the 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 turn, Dominic Mysterio hasn't really touched Ray. Like, he hasn't really touched Ray. He's made, he's more so told Ray to hit him, but he's never touched Ray. Maybe clipped him up a couple times, but never really physically gotten into, like, a fight with his dad. And then to see him tonight beat the living hell out of his dad is like, whoa. Okay, this is a new element. Because you, as a father, there's only so much you can take. And, but not just as a father, but as a man. And you know this is your son, but now it's like, you know what, man? You want to be a man? Okay, we're going to treat, I'm going to treat you like a man. And this is the most interesting thing. They actually found a way for me to actually give, get excited about a Dominic Mysterio storyline. <laughs> they actually found a way to, not just a Dominic Mysterio, but a Judgment Day storyline. And this shit is amazing. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible match. It was an incredible, I can understand why this probably was the longest match because this shit actually made fucking sense to be the longest match because there was so many intricate parts of this match that you just had to sit and wait for. And it was incredible, man. It was fucking incredible. Uh, yeah, it was the best match I saw all night. And that is my top of the five-star list. It was it was an incredible body of work. Those two men went out there and beat the living shit out of each other, and I loved it. Um, and, and topping back off of the Barry Wyatt situation, man, I love that. I love this Extreme Rules pay-per-view. It was actually really good, like I said. It wasn't really a bad match on the card. It was just maybe it was more so of, like, the endings and who I thought should have won and maybe who won. But I was like, eh, they should have did that a little bit better. But all in all, man, Extreme Rules was really fucking good. Um, like I said, the ending was Bray Wyatt. So anytime you get, you know, the most – anticipated return to be the most anticipated return that's great i love the fact that they also kind of played the, the, the dramatics with him with bray wyatt getting back to this um because i think you know what AEW just did with uh mjf was very interesting but wwe kind of did that tonight with bray wyatt in a sense it's kind of like with mjf you didn't know when he was coming back you was like hoping he come back but if he came back then cool and when he took the mask off and became, you know, the devil, I guess, it was kind of cool. It was okay. It was like, holy shit, MJF is back. But then all of the bullshit happened um, between CM Punk and everybody else. And it kind of dampered that man's return. And I think it's kind of been hard for him to kind of get that shit back. Whereas, for, like I said, Bray Wyatt, he had this solo moment where it's just him. And we showed our appreciation for him coming back, but more so 
for the, the the creativity that this man has has done for us as fans. So to have Bray back, man, I'm very look. I'm looking super forward to this. I don't know what they're gonna really do with this man. I don't know where he's gonna land. But like I said, I would love to see a Monday on the on, on Monday Night Raw when the when the bloodlines in the ring and he just pops up on the bloodline. That'd be beautiful because I do not want to see Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns. I've said this numerous times. I don't want to see it. I think it's the stupidest fucking match that WWE can ever do right now because even if Logan Paul gives them a match, it's like Roman's been dominant for two and a half years, and this is the motherfucking person y'all wasted y'all time and y'all energy with. Squash this fucker in five minutes and let's move the fuck on to the next damn thing. Because if they don't, if he doesn't squash Logan Paul, his title reign becomes a fucking joke. It doesn't matter what you do after that to me personally, because you didn't squash literally a person that only has two fucking matches under his belt. One really singles match under his fucking belt, and that was against the Miz. So. Yeah, but if Bray is the next one. I, I think Roman's gonna get a couple more challenges, but I don't think you. I don't think you give Bray this title match yet because I would. I would hate to see Ray, Bray lose to Roman, and I know WWE's trying to keep Roman perfect. So it would be it would be very dumb to give him a match against Bray Wyatt because everybody in the crowd will be like, Roman has to lose. There's no way in hell Roman wins this match. We know WWE's playing politics, but there's no way in fucking hell Roman wins this match. You can't. So, yeah, man. But welcome back, Bray. And like I said, Extreme Rules was an incredible pay-per-view. And I'm very, very, very happy that it happened. Uh, and I will be back doing another one of these. Like I said, Crown Jewel is November 5th. So, of course, I will be back doing that one. A couple of matches... One match is already announced. Like I said, Roman versus Logan Paul for the Universal title, for the Undisputed Universal Championships. And um, a couple of other matches, like I think maybe Sheamus and, and Walter and just, uh, maybe Seth and Matt Riddle again. I don't fucking know. That probably would be it. Eh, maybe. But Bianca and Polly Bailey. There's certain matches. Edge and Beth and versus the Judgment Day. I can see a couple of these matches. I can see definitely a couple of these matches, you know, coming back and in a couple of weeks, so, um, yeah, but that is my take on this pay-per-view, all in all, it was a really good pay-per-view, man, I don't really have that many bad things to say about it, and, uh, like I said, man, see you soon, I will be doing the Raw and SmackDown review show this week, um, so be on the lookout for that, uh, next week, so, uh, until then, I'm Brandon Janu, man, I hope you guys enjoy wrestling life, extreme rules, peace.